0: This is Amber and Ian. It's actually Amber and Ian. Like, it's Amber Wilson and Ian Fitzsimmons. I have almost forgotten the sound of my own voice. Nevertheless, yours, Ian.
1: (laughs) By the way, that little clip, that was from from basically a month ago. Yeah. Have we talked since? I don't know. I
0: I don't know if we
2: have. I it's really
0: don't. wild. I I I don't f- now. I've been here some more than you because, of course, you're always traveling. You're busy on the you know on Fridays and whatnot. Sometimes on Thursdays as well as you prepare for all your football coverage. So I guess I've been on air I think a little bit more than you the last month but I even feel like I haven't been here in two years because we've had so many nights off thank you to baseball by the way baseball doing an excellent job entertaining everybody and part of that entertainment was the Arizona Diamondbacks I mean everybody could have predicted it certainly you Ian right the D-backs you had them on your bingo card you had them all along going to the World Series but for people not as smart as Ian Fitzsimmons the Diamondbacks shockingly upset the Philadelphia Phillies four to two they're going to the World Series for the first time in 22 years, which means this thing between the Texas Rangers and Arizona Diamondbacks is being called the most unpredictable World Series ever.
1: First of all, disclaimer, I did not predict the Diamondbacks to go to the World Series. My brother, who coaches with the Carolina Panthers, when I was doing XFL games, I was in Vegas. And so I sent the family a text message going, hey, give me your future wagers. I'll I'll, I'll fire in a couple tickets for you at the sportsbook. Devin, who was coaching at the time with the Arizona Cardinals, right, got to know the D back staff a little bit and said, give me 25 bucks on the Diamondbacks to win the division.
0: Hmm. Really?
1: Let that sink in. The division. Uh-huh. They're in the World Series. They did not win the division. Mm-hmm. He gets zero, not a not, not a dime Mm-mm. at 50 to 1 yet. His squad is in the World Series. My wife, she wanted 25 bucks on the Phillies plus 750. No, no. Yeah. So she also gets Nada Zilch Zero. And she was conservative. She went just to win the NLCS oh. with the Phillies. Right. Nice so there it. you go. So I, I look, I don't know a damn thing, but obviously my family knows a heck of a lot more than I do because my wife had the Phillies close, brother had the D-backs, wrong wager, and but yet here they are in the World Series. And that's the beauty of sports, Amber, isn't it? That we think we know, but yet we really don't. And that's why it is truly the greatest reality show every week, every night on TV.
0: What we do know is that Amber and Ian is part of the Dr. Pepper Nation. You can be a part of it too on the Dr. Pepper call in line. Call us, 888-ESPN, 888-729-3776. ESPN Nation is presented by Dr. Pepper. It's not college football season without the delicious taste of an ice cold Dr. Pepper, the one that fans deserve. I'm with you that I think that this is exemplary of what is beautiful about sports, the fact that, Nobody would have predicted this matchup. The fact that nobody, quite literally, nobody believed in the Diamondbacks. I don't even know if the guys playing on the Diamondbacks (laughs) believe. I don't even know if their mothers believed in (laughs) the Diamondbacks, right? I mean, that's how unlikely seeing Arizona in the World Series felt to most people. And yet here we are. And I think that's a beautiful thing because it gets boring when... Yeah, it's the Astros, it's the Dodgers, you know, it's like, it's when it's the big guys and we all know what's coming and it gets old to me. We see this across all of sports. We see this a lot in college football where that's your wheelhouse, right? And we're in college football this year. There's been so much parity and so much unpredictability. Now, maybe it ends up being Georgia at the end and maybe it ends up all being, you know, going according to plan in the end. But so far along the way, it has been so much more interesting to to me you did see that with the national championship to some extent last season I like that even if it doesn't necessarily bring in the biggest ratings that the big dogs bring in I like seeing the Denver Nuggets win it you know like give me the teams yeah. Yeah, great that example. we aren't used to seeing win it and that's what we've got here
1: you know that again that's the beauty of sports and I, I am in step with you Amber and I'm going to give you a quick story about when my brother was with the Detroit Lions coach as the assistant special teams coordinator and they got boat raced in London by James Steele's Kansas City Chiefs and Jim Caldwell, then the head coach of the Lions, had to fire a couple of staffers. So now my brother is coaching tight ends and teams. And they're going to Lambeau Field against Aaron Rodgers. The Lions had not won at Lambeau in 28 years. In Matthew Stafford's lifetime, they had not won at Lambeau. And I had no idea, right? So i'm I'm part of the broadcast with mark Kestershire, former Tampa Bay general manager Mark Dominic and I are on the call and I'm standing here at this the extor- i mean historic hollow ground of Lambeau field with my brother coaching in the NFL we're from a town of about 800 people right in Folsom Louisiana the odds of this happening are larger than you hitting the lottery and I'll, i I guess I don't remember this but Stafford and Calvin Johnson. I do remember about 10 yards from us warming up. And this is before they pad up. This is just an early stretch. And I guess I mentioned to my brother like 18 times how it's been 28 years since the Lions had won at Lambeau. And I really don't recall it. And all of a sudden he's there with Matt Raich and a couple other assistant coaches. And he starts screaming at me. And what he said was, you know what the beauty of sports, you know why we do this? It's because we don't know what's going to happen. And my own brother is now sitting here on the field two hours before kick, harping on how we haven't won a game here in 28 damn years. I'm tired of it. I've heard it all week. I don't need to hear it from my brother. The beauty of sports is you don't know. Why can't we win here? Today, right here on this hollowed ground where Vince Lombardi stood right where we are, why can't we do this? And he starts to walk away. I'm like, dude. What'd I say? He goes, you know what, Ian? He, he never calls me Ian. He turns around and he goes, on your four-letter network this morning, I woke up and I was shocked. I was stunned at something that happened in the world of sports. This is why we play the game. This is why we love it. And I went, what did you see? He goes, Ronda Rousey got knocked a bleep out. Why can't we beat Green Bay? Mm-hmm. And he turns and walks away. It was Ronda Rousey's first ever loss. Right. Happened that night. Matthew Stafford turns around, looks at me, and goes, What he said. He walks away. You know what happened that day? They beat Green Bay. Right. That's the beauty of sports. That's the Diamondbacks. That's the Rangers. That's Anthony Davis not having a single point in the second half last it's, night. Right? That's Against the Denver Nuggets. Whatever it may be, right? That is the beauty of sports. And that's why we truly love it because we really have zero clue as to what is going to happen.
0: We have zero clue. There are signs along the way, right? Like there's been signs before about AD disappearing (laughs) (laughs) there There was signs of ronda rousey that she was she was coming up during an era of a lack of talent maybe amongst the female division and that certainly corrected itself in large part also because of the path that she helped pave there in her respective sport and if we had just looked at the first half of this baseball season maybe this matchup wouldn't have seemed as crazy it seemed so crazy as the season rolled on because of what happened there in July and these teams falling on their face but here we are at the World Series and we have the Texas Rangers and we have the Arizona Diamondbacks and so now we're going to inevitably have the narrative that this is boring nobody wants to tune in because this isn't the thing that we predicted this isn't what we're used to seeing but I would implore people to tune in more because of that, right? Like we always say we want to embrace that unpredictability in sports. The underdog. I hope the ratings reflect yeah. some of that. I really, yeah. I hope that they reflect the underdog because I feel like we all root for the underdog. And then the problem is when the underdog gets to the actual championship, that's now where you got it can be. two of them. Home. Right. And this time they've got two of them. So what is that like and who's going to win this thing? You're going to be able to find all your coverage of the World Series right here on ESPN Radio, Game 1, coming your way on Friday. Coverage will begin here on ESPN Radio at 7 p.m. Eastern. Coming up next here on Amber and Ian, you can find him at Ian Fitz ESPN. You can find me as well at Amber W Sports. We transition to the NFL. Are the Baltimore Ravens the best team in the league?
2: legal and administrative and customer support at robert half we know talent visit roberthalf.com today
0: your long national nightmare is over america amber and ian are back on your airwaves (laughs) at least for tonight and tomorrow night and then it's game one of the world series so we'll take another little break okay we'll give baseball a little bit more shine but don't worry We'll be coming your way again next week. You can find him at Ian Fitz ESPN. You can find me as well at Amber W sports ESPN radio is presented to you. Of course, by progressive insurance, let's talk about what happened over the weekend in the NFL. And one of the biggest storylines coming out of Sunday, was what the Ravens did to the Detroit Lions who a lot of people consider a very good team. Some people think hey, the Lions yeah. are in that conversation as, you know, one of the best teams in the league, and yet the Ravens manhandled them. 38 to 6 was the final. I don't feel like that this should have been a shocking as frankly, it is. I mean, we're talking about the team right now, sitting on top of the AFC North. The Ravens have five wins on the season, a couple losses. The losses are a little confusing here, uh, including the divisional loss there against the Steelers. Nevertheless, That's though, a good
1: team though, Amber.
0: It's a good Baltimore Ravens team. Four and two. It's been a good Baltimore Ravens team, and people were shocked by the result. Nonetheless,
1: yeah. You but you know that loss to Pittsburgh. I mean, again, four and two. I'm. That's a division rival. Those two teams hate each other. They despise one another. It was the Indy loss, right? In overtime, you're going, all right, head scratch. Like, what in the hell happened here? But as you and I have talked about from the moment, even before we were doing the show together, right, to our pre-show meeting tonight, it's a week-to-week league. The NFL is truly week-to-week. And right now, the Baltimore Ravens this week are playing as well as any team in the NFL. They are. I mean, to to do that to a really, really good Detroit Lions team, the way, as you mentioned, they just didn't beat them. I mean, they punked them. Chicken kicked them. Jared Goff is going to be in the ice tub for about a week. I mean, it was beyond impressive. Roquan Smith, what a great trade by the Baltimore Ravens last year during the season to go grab the former Georgia Bulldogs signal caller, right, and captain of that defense in Chicago and poach him away and he is just going sideline to sideline and a leader of boy-dog warriors. And Lamar Jackson, with Todd Monken and that offense, now you're starting to see it truly gel And what Monken wants to do. Again, coming over from Georgia as Georgia's offensive coordinator, now the OC for the Baltimore Ravens. It's a week-to-week league, and right now, you look at the Baltimore Ravens, they're one of the best teams in the NFL. Three weeks ago, you wouldn't have thought about saying that. You know, go back to when they lost to the Colts in overtime. Hell no, you're not even thinking it. But right now, yeah, they've gotten better. They've started to gel, and they've taken a Monkins offense. And guess what? They, right now, in this moment, are one of the best teams in the National Football League.
0: Coming into the season, a lot of us thought the Ravens, they're going to be one of the best teams in the NFL. And... Looking back on that, sort of how confident we were coming in, and you're looking at it on paper, and you're thinking, okay, this, based on what Lunkin did at Georgia, what's that offense going to look like with Lamar, right? And now Lamar actually having weapons around him, and I know you're super high on flowers coming out of college, right? So that you felt really good on paper about the Ravens. And then we get into the season, and you mentioned the Colts lost, the Steelers lost. I actually think the Steelers loss was more surprising to me because the way that the, I mean they lost by a touchdown whereas the Colts loss I guess any given Sunday they lose an OT right nevertheless neither of those losses looked great for the Ravens and just generally I feel like the season started off slower and in hindsight looking back on that. We weren't giving Todd Munkin any time. I mean, we weren't giving Lamar any time to adjust to an entirely new offense. We weren't giving Zay Flowers time to fit into this thing in the league, right? Like, we weren't giving those pieces that we were looking at on paper and saying, this all looks great. We weren't giving them much time to settle. And it feels like now they've settled. And maybe that's what we saw. And I don't want to overreact here to a big win against the Lions. I'm not putting the Ravens as the best team in the NFL, but I also didn't have the Lions as the best team in the NFL as we came into this week. So them doing what they did to the Lions isn't going to be the thing that puts them over the you know Kansas City Chiefs yeah, or anybody if, else if, we would have in that conversation for me. But Amber, it's a good if, if you were to go three tiers,
1: if you were to go three tiers in the NFL, right, I think you would have Baltimore and the Lions in that top tier and then a middle tier, and then just trash, right? And I, I would put the Lions and the Ravens both in that top tier, the top the top third of the league, without question. And it was, I mean, they, they beat the, they physically beat the ever-loving hell out of a Dan Campbell team that was physically beating the ever-loving hell out of teams they were playing. It, I mean, beyond impressive. You know, when you beat a top-tier team, and that's the way I look at it, you know, and it's part of – you know, having a brother in coaching where, you know, you take every season by quarters, right? And we're now in deep into, the you know, the, the second quarter of the season. And you look at teams by tiers. Man, what Baltimore did to Detroit, again, week-to-week league, but in this moment that we're talking right now here on a Wednesday night, Wednesday afternoon, West Coast, what Baltimore did put them, you know, in the upper level of that top tier in the National Football League. Do you agree or disagree? Because that was – I was just a chicken kicking.
0: I, I feel like with Baltimore, it's a very good team, and they were a very good team, and they've been a very good team, right? And we would just kind of were, you're right, it's a week-to-week league. We overreact here. We maybe underreact over there. <laughs> Lamar Jackson's a great quarterback. Most all of us are in on that. I mean, it's not controversial. The Ravens are a good team. I, like, it's not controversial, right? And somehow, I think that we've overlooked them a little bit, because of those losses with the Steelers and the Colts, because it hasn't looked quite as high-flying, exciting as we thought it was going to look like in a Todd Munkin system. But again, it's going to take a little bit yeah, of time. Yeah, now starting and they're to still, Right, like it is really starting to settle in. So yes, now they are clicking. They're kind of looking now like the team that we expected them to be with all of our preseason conversations. Ronnie Stanley, the Ravens, O-tackle was on Carlin versus Joe earlier today and he was asked what is the biggest misconception about your quarterback Lamar?
2: Mike's been doing a great job and um, you know I think you know Lamar just being complete control of the offense has uh, made a huge difference and you know really being able to uh, do what he wants to do have that relationship where he can you know call what he sees and amongst, you know, going to help him grow into being even better at that and just having that confidence in him to be in complete control.
0: I mean, Lamar Jackson's still, like, we're still having the confidence conversation with Lamar. No, like Lamar's I'm a not. damn good quarterback, right? Yeah, I mean, who's, who's out you? on that? And there were questions, uh, uh, you know, a couple years ago, we were still having the stupid conversation about how good of an arm does Lamar Jackson have. I, gosh, it was, I health, it was like, health
1: for me, Amber. It had nothing to do with talent. It was, can he stay healthy? The last two years, he's missed December when you have to have your franchise quarterback out there. It has never been about talent. It's been about, you know, can he stay healthy? And now we have to see, can he stay healthy? But speaking of Ronnie Stanley, man, one of my favorite segments on television is when Jeff Saturday hands out pancakes or when Marcus Spears, right, you know, goes with, you need new security. Right, because got quarterbacks for running backs got lit up. That block by Ronnie Stanley, and I don't know who the poor DB was for the, for the Detroit Lions, but I'm watching Get Up on Tuesday morning, and I want to call that DB's family and go, I, I want to apologize right now. Moms, dads, aunts, uncles, cousins, brothers, sisters, you name it, dogs, cats. Ronnie Stanley blocked that dude. Not just off the field into the cameramen, as Lamar Jackson just waltzed into the end zone. Damn, Amber. I mean, it, I'm like going, "Are you? Did this just happen? Did I? I don't rewind it. It was. It was nauseating for if you're a Detroit Lion and that DB's family. For Ronnie Stanley. That's a bad man right now. The Ravens are playing great football.
0: Yeah, the Ravens definitely won the battle in the trenches, and it's not something that we're accustomed to seeing there against the Detroit team that's been very good in that regard. Lamar against the Lions was excellent. 21 of 27, 357 yards, three tutties. He he was so good, and it's easy to forget he is so good. I mean, the man is good, right? It's going to take a little time when you're learning a new playbook and you're adjusting to a new offense. And considering that he's done those things this season, considering Zay Flowers, considering that there's new pieces here that he's learning to gel with, and they're sitting at five and two, and they're sitting on top of the division, you've got to feel pretty good if you're a Ravens fan.
1: Absolutely. And again, how many times we have to say it and remind people? Week to week league. And right now, the Ravens are one of the best teams in the league.
0: I'm not going to put them, right. And I'm not, like, I'm trying not to also, over like, I'm not saying the Ravens are the best team in the league. Yeah, I'm with you. But also, I'm tired of having the Lamar conversation, like, as if that conversation is week to week. We're talking about a dude who has an MVP. It hasn't been week to week with Lamar for years. That guy is just a good quarterback, period. It's not week to week. That's just how it is in the NFL.
2: Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets pizza, better because it has to be.
0: Amber Wilson and Ian Fitzsimmons back with you here on Amber and Ian. We were just talking about what the Baltimore Ravens did to Detroit over the weekend. Both you and I are in on the Ravens. We have been in on the Ravens, though. We're certainly in on Lamar Jackson and tired of the conversation of whether anybody needs to still be evaluating his greatness. But, you know, on Sunday, he became the fourth player in league history to have at least 350 passing yards, three touchdown passes, one rushing touchdown, and a passer rating above 150 in a game. He was quite literally entering the record books with what he did against
2: the Lions.
1: I mean, Amber, every now and then with a new coordinator, or most times with a new coordinator, it takes a bit to gel. And so... Right now, you're looking at Todd Monken coming over from the two-time reigning, you know, national champs at Georgia, new OC with Baltimore. It's taken a moment to gel, uh, you know, with, with Lamar Jackson, and now they're hitting their stride. You got a r- r- rookie wideout in Zay Flowers, who, as you mentioned, I mean, I, I just I love the dude out of Boston College. Absolutely love him. Odell Beckham Jr. is not the same dude anymore. Mark Andrews, though, has become healthy, and you know they're they're clicking on all cylinders. And right now, the Baltimore Ravens. Are one of the, in the moment, are one of the best teams going in the National Football League. End end of conversation. Now you have one of the other great, great teams for people just tuning in in the San Francisco 49ers with Brock Purdy now entering concussion protocol. And it might be Sam Darnold as your starting quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers. So. You you, you look at, oh, again, people laugh at us, Amber, when we call it a week-to-week league, but it really is because right now, people are kind of hiking their leg on Brock Purdy all of a sudden. Look what this dude has done going through his rookie year. And then this year, they have two losses. One, he puts his team in a position to win, and your rookie kicker out of Michigan misses a 40-yard field goal. And then last week, meaning on Sunday, gets a concussion and loses. Okay? Every now and then, people have bad games. This is not a comparison. this is an example of about four or five years ago when remember on that Tom Brady was sitting on the sidelines against the Kansas City Chiefs where they got chicken kicked, butt kicked, punked, beaten down, and everyone's going, oh, it's the end of an era. Overreaction because you know what happened at the end of that that season The Patriots won the damn Super Bowl. Now I'm not obviously I want to be very clear. That's an example of an overreaction. To one week, and I think a lot of people are overreacting that to Brock Purdy going. Well, maybe he should have been Mister Irrelevant. Maybe he's not that good. Look at his completion percentage. Look at the teams he's beaten. He got them. He got his team to a, a, a an NFC Championship game as a rookie, and he puts his team in a position a couple weeks ago to win the game, and a rookie kicker misses a field goal, and now all of a sudden we're going well. Is Brock Purdy, you know, is he really all that? I mean, stop. Just stop. He's a phenomenal bus-driving quarterback for one of the best teams in the National Football League. When I say bus driving, it's not a shot. That's what he's asked to do by Kyle Shanahan in that offense. And he does it exceptionally well.
0: I think phenomenal is overstating it. Like that's where I think that we get a little crazy with Brock Purdy. Now, should anybody be having a conversation? He deserved to be Mr. Irrelevant. First of all, I mean, that conversation doesn't even make sense to have because he earned whatever he earned his placement in the draft based on his collegiate record. Nobody's, arguing that in hindsight, he should have been that based on his NFL record, right? I mean, we don't need to have a conversation about where Tom Brady should have been drafted. That's all hindsight 2020. And that's very easy to do. The reality is Brock Purdy was overlooked by NFL scouts across the entire league. Fine. And the 49ers seem to have found a gem here. And I still believe that they have that because they certainly have a quarterback who has shown that he is fully capable of running that Kyle Shanahan system. But, I'm also not going to sit here and make Brock Purdy one of the best quarterbacks in the league. And people have been too quick to do that because the numbers have looked good. And he has been a winner at every turn until now. He's dropped two in a row and all of a sudden he's not a winner. And in a week to week league, people are going to freak out. I think some of it was overstated on the front end. He's a very solid quarterback. He's had a very short career in the NFL. It was way too soon to make him one of the best NFL quarterbacks, but on the back end here, it's a couple games. Apparently he started exhibiting concussion symptoms on the airplane on the way home and he's now in concussion protocol. He's questionable whether he's going to be able to go against the Bengals. Did that affect that performance that we saw where he threw multiple interceptions? The only thing with that argument is, is of course he threw an interception the week before as well, given against a very good Cleveland Browns defense, but nonetheless, another interception. So now he's had three interceptions here in the last two weeks alone. And when you do that and your numbers aside from that, start looking pedestrian, you know, against the Browns. And again, a very good Browns defense, but 12 for 27, 125 yards. And that interception I mentioned, it's a fall off. It's falling off a cliff compared to some of those other numbers that we've seen. I would imagine the truth lies somewhere in the middle.
1: Yeah, right now, if I told you who has more yards passing, Brock Purdy, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Herbert, who would you say?
0: Brock Purdy, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Herbert, I think I would have guessed Justin Herbert, but I'm guessing that you're bringing this up because it's Brock Purdy.
1: Yep, Uh, more touchdowns, Brock Purdy, Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson.
0: Well, touch. I would say Brock Purdy for touchdowns.
1: Yep. I mean, he's got more yards passing than Lamar Jackson, more yards passing than Trevor Lawrence, more yards passing than Justin Herbert. He's got an 11-touchdown-to-3 INT ratio. I mean, he's completing, what, 68 69% of his passes? And now we're going to hike our leg on a dude because he's lost a couple games. Or his team, not him. His team has lost a couple games. And that's where... The NFL is so intriguing and so captivating because, in one week, you are the crown jewel, and you are the, one of the best stories going in all of sports. And he was last year, and and to the start of this season. Now, all of a sudden, your kicker misses a forty-yarder when you put him in, in position to win a game, and then you lose on the road against Minnesota without Trent Williams at left tackle, without Debo, you know, pl- you know, playing for you. Your ultimate. Yeah, but they were missing Justin bubble, Jefferson. I, I get it. I get it. You know, and you've got a DB who has a pick in his hands against Kirk Cousins, and Jordan Addison just takes it right out of his arms with 18 seconds to go in the first half and takes it to the house. But we're going to blame Brock Purdy. That's well, what drives me nuts blamed, about the quarterback but... position because everyone says all of a sudden now. Well, not everyone. A lot of people are going, and I saw this on Get Up this morning. This is where. This is why I, I brought it up is pretty overrated. No, he's not overrated. Right now, he's statistically and record-wise over his entire body of work is a top 10 quarterback in this league. He's not going to put up re- gaudy numbers, but he's also not going to cost you games. And now we fast forward, Amber, to Sam Darnold coming in. This is going to... This is... I can't wait to watch this. As a matter of fact, I've got this as one of my bet-to-your-hands-bleed bets, which we haven't had in a long time. We're 22-13-1 and one against the number in college and pro football. Give me the Niners with Sam Darnold at quarterback. Why? Day one of free agency. You know Kyle Shanahan targeted to back up Brock Purdy? Sam Darnold. You know who Sam Darnold needed? Kyle Shanahan. The quarterback bleeping a whisperer outside of Bruce Arians, right? Who wrote a book called The Quarterback Whisperer. Sam Darnold, I expect to be damn near what we have seen with Brock Purdy. I think we will see a remarkable difference between the quarterback we saw with the Jets and Carolina starting for the Niners in place of Brock Purdy if Purdy can't go due to concussion protocol.
0: I still think the Niners are exponentially better than the Seahawks. I don't have any concerns about the Niners in that division. Your points about Brock Purdy. They make a lot of sense. Brock Purdy, second in QBR in the NFL. When you pull all that. the numbers across the board, Brock Purdy's numbers this season have been phenomenal. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm willing to have a conversation that Brock Purdy's better than, I don't know, you know, Jalen, who's eighth on that list in QBR, right? Or or any of these other guys. You kept mentioning Lamar, who's seventh on that list with QBR and, and, and comparing the stats head to head. I'm not going to give the nod to Brock Purdy because I've seen the guys like Lamar Jackson do it, year in and year out when Lamar's been healthy obviously health a factor there for Lamar Jackson in his career but also I've seen the man win an MVP with Brock it's just such a short body at work and the problem is when it's a short body at work and also people chalk you up to a specific system that has been successful for other quarterbacks that then don't look as good when they leave the system all of a sudden you become the system guy and the talking point is going to be the overreaction when you throw three interceptions over for the span of two weeks for me it doesn't temper my feelings about the 49ers overall but it does show that this is such an unpredictable league and so
1: <laughs> it shows
0: right like it does show like yep. because everybody had the 49ers in the Super Bowl two weeks ago everybody was certain that the four that was the only team that a lot of people were willing to point to and say that's the best team in the NFL and look where we're at now a couple weeks later
1: Yeah, we can't emphasize it enough, right? Week to damn week. But I I, I think the two best teams in the NFC are the Niners and Eagles. And in the moment, right, with Debo being banged up, Trent Williams being a bit nicked up, I I would say that the Eagles and then the Niners right below them. But I'm not saying that Brock Purdy is better than Trevor Lawrence or Justin Herbert. All I'm saying is a lot of people, because of two losses, and neither of which I'm going to put all on him, I mean, make, make, you know, as a DB, make the catch. You had it, knock it down. There's 18 seconds to go in the first half, you know, make a kick. That's not all in the quarterback, but because we put so much emphasis on the quarterback, I just wanted to highlight just some of the, and I'm not a number guy, Amber, you know that. I mean, I, I, I can't stand number whipping people, but sometimes that's the only way to get a point across. And statistically you look at Purdy's numbers He's right there with some of the best in the game. Not saying he's better, but let me tell you, it's not on him that the Niners have not all on him that the Niners have lost two games in the last three weeks.
0: Brock's going to be fine. He's not the best quarterback in the NFL, but he's he's going to be fine, right? I mean, you got to earn some stuff before you're there, but he's going to be fine. And we'll see. I think that the Niners are going to be fine though because they drafted or they brought in Sam Darnold for this exact situation. And part of doing that, see this is the fact that they have been so snake-bitten by injuries because we saw Trey Lance and we saw Jimmy Garoppolo and we saw the whole reason that we even know who Brock Purdy is is because of how snake-bitten that franchise has been with injuries and because of that, even when they determined that Brock was their guy and they felt comfortable getting letting Jimmy walk and they felt comfortable getting rid of Trey Lance, they thought we still need a bona fide backup who's going to fit in this system and that's when they went out and got and we'll see how it looks with Sam Darnold against the angles if in fact Brock is unable to go again Brock Purdy right now in concussion protocol but this week-to-week overreaction makes me feel a little bit better as a Dolphins fan because man people are overreacting to what happened to the Dolphins on Sunday I am here to tell you it is also an overreaction that's next here on Amber and (laughs) Ian
1: We'll touch on Dolphins, Eagles coming up in just a moment when Albert Breer, MMQB, Sports Illustrated, joins us here on ESPN Radio with Amber Wilson. I'm Ian Fitzsimmons. We appreciate you spending part of your evening with us as we are presented by Progressive Insurance. And one of the biggest stories going on in sports across the country, sign stealing. Shocking development. And that is, uh, at the, the epicenter of it, Jim Harbaugh, head coach at Michigan. And so many people have... Waiting on this, and we have Amber back. Amber was expect uh, experienced some here. technical difficulties. Hey, there she is. What's going? Yes, I got you. I got you. Technology. Here we go at its finest. So we'll get into your your beloved okay, dolphins. So you're
0: gonna make me wait on the dolphins. Hey, I'm we'll understanding. We'll you want you want to we'll do a little college we'll ball be. here? Sign stealing. You're gonna make me stew even longer. I've been stewing for three days, but. <laughs> That's okay, we'll fine. You it, have your moment. Here he will we'll fine. In, we'll
1: bring in Breer, you know, and, and, and he'll, <laughs> he'll calm you. everyone down on your beloved fish, right? You know, I mean, you're not deep fried. You're, you're not blackened. You're, you're, you're just fine.
0: I'm cool. I'm cool but, as a cucumber. But, but this
1: this sign-stealing thing, I mean, it, it's now gone. Every team, coast to coast, border to border, every conference, every coach has been posed the question, how common is this? And I've talked to two current Big Ten coaches, multiple coordinators in the nfl multiple coordinators in college football and they all to a person independent of one another amber have said happens all the time but and then the but comes and that's when you break out the pen like oh this is going to be good not to the egregious nature that michigan and harbaugh were doing it you got 11 big 10 schools that have crystallians going to their games, buying tickets behind both benches at 30 different Big 10 games. You've got now evidence of Stallions buying tickets outside the Big 10 the last 2 years for potential college football playoff opponents for Michigan. If you're stealing signs, you're going to try and be more covert, right? And you're going to not not as egregious as putting the same dude behind the bench And doing this the entire time, holding your smartphone up and just videoing nonstop for four quarters.
0: Well, it wasn't just him, right? Apparently he was paying other people to go to the game and do it, but he was Venmoing them. buying the tickets in his name. In his name. He'd buy the tickets in his name and then he'd Venmo the people that he's paying to go do this from his Venmo account paying their expenses for things like plane tickets and whatnot to get to these games to record the signs. And then of course you have the result of the sign stealing where we've seen the video where, you know, they're, they're playing Ohio state and they And everybody on the sidelines, except for Harbaugh, by the way, but everybody else on the sidelines, like, you know, they see the call go in from the Ohio State sidelines and the Michigan sideline. They all signal. They all hold up their finger to tell the defense exactly what play is coming. We've seen it. It looks bad. But when it comes to how Michigan uh, allegedly did this and accomplished it, I almost think they should just be punished for pure stupidity. (laughs) It's like, it's like what is happening hey, like i get that everybody does it and frankly it's so archaic that sign stealing should even be a thing in college it's so stupid the way that they have all the signs and it's like we're so old school and there's no technology involved and there's no speakers in the helmets to relay the sign it's so stupid compared to the way that you do it at the nfl level. But also, the way in which they're sealing these signs seems so stupid, too. <laughs> so, so they're going to get the hammer dropped on them, in large part, because they're just not good at the well, cheating. Well,
1: I, I wouldn't even guarantee that. You know, Now, the Big Ten, they, they, they can go on their own. They don't have to wait on the NCAA. If they want to suspend Jim Harbaugh, they can no, if they going to the NFL. If, if, if they want, but look, here's the, here's the thing. Oh, look, I, I completely agree. And I, I had one coach, by the way, one coach in the NFL, a coordinator, tell me, you look at the way Harbaugh handled the recruiting violations, which goes back, this shows you the snail's pace that the NCAA rolls on. That's a COVID-19 recruiting violation that they're just getting to now in 2023. So you have Harbaugh suspending himself for the first three games. Football right. finger to the NCAA, right? And now you have this. This will not be resolved by the NCAA anytime close to when we play the national championship in January. Right. No shot. But the Big Ten can act on their own and suspend Jim Harbaugh or act you know, in whichever form or fashion they want to with the University of Michigan. Do I expect that to happen? Two words. Hell no. Why? The Big Ten wants that college football playoff check. Right. It all comes down to money. Why have we seen college football realignment? Why do we see Oregon and Washington going to the Big Ten and UCLA and USC going to the Big Ten and Utah and the and the and the corner schools going to the Big 12? Money. That's the end of it. So you think the Big Ten is really going to rule ahead of the NCAA on arguably the best. Ta- and the most talented team in college football and sacrifice all those millions? Hell no. Ain't going to happen.
0: It's not going to happen. What should happen though is changes in the way these things are handled. Yes. Listen to Matt Rule real quick, the Nebraska head coach being asked about it.
3: Yeah, sign stealing happens every game. Um there's nothing wrong with there's nothing wrong with teams over there looking over trying to steal our signs. There's nothing wrong with us trying to look at their signs. That's sign stealing. That's not I'm not. Don't don't. I would not carry that over to going and filming someone else's practices or something like that, or filming someone else's games. That's completely something different. And I'm not saying that that happened. But I think what's wrong, part partly, in our society right now, sometimes, is we say someone someone does something against the rules, and sports need rules, right? Sports need rules to keep competitive balance. And when someone does something against the rules, we say, well, should that really even be a rule? And it is the rule. That's that's the rule, right? Like I didn't get to play with. We don't get five downs. So. Um, But in-game, stealing of signs, when I play against somebody and I know that person has friends on the next staff, I know if they have our signs, they're having it the next week. Um, That's all part of the game, and you have to do what you do. We should absolutely have technology, but if there's a rule, the rule should be followed. And I'm not speaking about what's happening right now because I don't know what happened. But um, if that is happening somewhere, it's completely, completely wrong.
0: He goes on to talk more about the technology component Amen. of it. It's archaic. It's stupid. Like you're on the sidelines, you're holding up, you know, Mike Greenberg's face <laughs> <laughs> to call a play at Northwestern in, and then yeah, the I'm from the Lollipop Guild. Here you go, right. Yeah, no, and he's right. <laughs> right.
1: And they're it's now so going to use technology. They're going to use you know speaker, uh, you know, microphones for coaches and speakers and helmets in bowl games. Should have been done Do years ago. all the games. Should have been it, done years nobody ago. Nobody
0: has to have, nobody has to hold up Greeny's face on the sidelines. So then nobody needs to film Northwestern's practice to figure out what Mike Greenberg's face on the sidelines means.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too.